hello and welcome to In the Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who have a hunger and thirst for growth without compromising their values or their priorities. Thanks for listening in. My name is David McGlennon and I am your host. Now, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Uh, here we share stories of growth around business and teams and personal growth. And I really love talking with people who've gone on their own growth journey and I really want to learn from people like that, and so I hope you do as well. If you would, do me a quick favor, go out and subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already, and at the end, I'm going to ask you to rate and review the podcast, and when you do that, it really helps us to be able to reach more people, and so we really would appreciate you doing that. Now, in this episode, I'm talking with the former number one tennis player in Brazil, who came to the United States. But before I introduce you to him, I want to share a special offer that I'm giving to my podcast listeners to really get into the growth space. Now, I'm sure you've heard me talk about Turning Point if you've been around for a little bit. Uh, it's the retreat that I'm doing with my coach and mentor, Paul Martinelli. Paul is the uh, co-founder of the John Maxwell team, and um, he is collaborating with me to give you an opportunity to go to this retreat, this, this event that allows you to focus on you. And, and I want to give you an opportunity to attend with some special podcast listener pricing. Now, one of the objectives of, of Turning Point is really to give you a safe space to understand your own human psychology. Then you get to experience it and notice what comes up for you so that you can learn to break through the barriers that are holding you back from the dreams that are deep within you. And it's it's such an impactful and life-altering event that it and and it's impacted me and it's really why I'm bringing it to the USA again. Paul's done this event um, all over the world. He, he's done it in Poland. He's done it uh, in Romania, and he's done it in France. And he hasn't done this event for three or four years, but it's so powerful for growth. And I wanted the people who are in my community to experience this. So if you want to grow, this is the event that will give you the tools to do it. So check out the registration site at davidmcglennon.com forward slash turning point, and we'll have that link in the show notes. Just a little note. So if you go to davidmcglennon.com forward slash turning point, the T and the P need to be capitalized. And when you get to that landing page and you click on the register now button, when you get to the registration part, you can put in the coupon code box, the word podcast in all capital letters. When you put podcast as the coupon code, you will not only get $125 off of the registration price, you will also get some bonuses that Paul and I literally just finished uh, adding to uh, the offer that we're, we're putting together for Turning Point. So one of the things will be uh, the the call with Paul on uh, learning the 10 steps to a new belief. And then the second thing that we're offering as well is a program that Paul is just getting ready to roll out to his community on creating offers that sell. And then finally, Paul is adding in his sales teaching or sales training program that won't be open to the public 
until at least uh, the fall of 2022. So not only are we providing an awesome uh, pricing for our podcast listeners, we are also adding some incredible bonuses Paul is is adding to, uh, to the event. So go out and get registered today. On today's show, I am having a conversation with Giancarlo Lemmy. And Gian, as he's known, uh, joined the Liberty University Lady Flames coaching staff in the fall of 2012 as a graduate assistant. And then during the summer of 2013, he was promoted to a full-time assistant by the head coach, Jeff Marin. Now in 2018, in May of 2018, Gian received a promotion to associate head coach. And Gian's strong knowledge of the game and, and, and Liberty Tennis stems from his four-year playing career for the Flames. In the spring of 2016, uh, Gian helped lead the Lady Flames to the finals of the Big South Women's Tennis Championship. The team's eight Big South wins set a new single-season program record, so he's had success both on the court himself and success coaching the women's tennis team at Liberty University. Now, he is originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and you'll hear his story today of how he got to the U.S. He's also an author of the book called The Court of Excellence, and he lives in Virginia with his wife, Meredith, and their daughter, Olivia, and son, Luca. I really love this conversation because of the concepts that Gian talks about in our time together. Now, I'll be back at the end to summarize my takeaways, but here's my conversation with Gian Lemmy right now. Well, Gian, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to In the Growth Space. Really grateful to have you here today. It's It's been great to be here. We've talked a few times now, and um, I just can't wait to get into this conversation with you. Yeah, me as well. And, you know, uh, I, I often share on the podcast that I, I really enjoy getting to know people who have a, a unique growth story because I really believe that we can all learn from each other. We can all learn from each other's stories and there are certain principles that um, everybody uses to to grow and to 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 learn. And um, yours is really a, a cool one. And and so I'd love to have you share with the audience a little bit about your origin story because you know you're not natively from the U.S., right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm uh, an only child from Brazil, mostly known for its uh, soccer and okay. carnival, and uh, it's. It's been a great journey, like you said, and in just growing in all areas of my life. From the moment I, I I was born, I was born with a blood deficiency where my red blood cells would uh, grow, 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 and explode. And so I needed, uh, yeah, so I needed blood transfusions um, several times a week just to to be alive. And from that moment until I was two years old, I I had this issue, and out of the blue, it just um, it went away. I think it. I have this urban legend in my mind that I actually don't get sick very often. I'm still yeah. somehow haven't tested positive for COVID, which is a miracle. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. But I think it's <laughs> I, my urban legend. I tell myself is because I've received so many other people's blood that yeah. I think now I'm superhero. <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Um, oh my but, god, that's great. But yeah, but that was a struggle for my parents early on. But but then after that, I I, I start playing sports and played soccer obviously that's a must it's a must to in survive brazil, in brazil. Right? yeah yeah right <laughs> and and i had a few family members that played tennis and so they put me in a lesson with, in a small court in a neighborhood with the teacher and after a while the teacher saw that i could maybe do something a little bit better than what he could provide and so he said well you probably need to go to an academy or something and so nine eight nine years old i 
moved to an academy with a reputable coach that had trained professional athletes and the national team and everything and stayed with him until I was 18 years old Um, and just built this bond. My parents got divorced when I was four. And, and so I would actually spend more time with my coach than my father, which they had joint custody, but I would see my father in the weekends and it was just incredible, right? Learning so much from someone who cared deeply about me and, and at the time just pushed me to be better. As I grew up, I saw guys and girls from the academy go to America, you know, at 11, 12, I'll start seeing the 17 year olds move to, to America to go play college tennis. Didn't know what that was, you know, (laughs) didn't had any idea what that was. And, but I thought that was cool. Hey, they're living in America. Like you watch all the movies, you know, (laughs) TV shows and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So about 13, 14, started taking it more serious and had a talk with my with my family and said, I really want to do this. I think this is a natural progression. You know, yeah. it's not like a, hey, my 10 year goal is to be living in America with two kids and a yeah. wife. And, you know, um, but it was just like a natural progression. And, mm-hmm. and so I had to quit soccer, which I was actually a better soccer player than a tennis player. But talking to friends, found out that tennis has a lot more scholarships to head ratio than soccer. I only have to share a scholarship with eight guys instead of 30 guys on a soccer roster. And so decided to take tennis up. And I was 16. My mom said, if you really want to live in America, why don't you go to high school for one year in America and try it out? Because it, yeah. it could be that, you know, I had just been to Disney World. That's it. That, okay. As a kid. Okay, you know, sure. and it was like living in America is different than Disney World. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And, yeah. It's and, the real world versus Disney. World. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, that's a great idea. One more year in America. That's great. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I got placed with a host family in Connecticut who Connecticut is also not the real world. It feels almost surreal. Uh, Just, true. you know, the people traveling to New York City to, you know, to go work. But the houses are incredible you know mansion after mansion yard perfect yard after perfect yard and you know no trash on the streets and right. um i lived in a in a house with uh you know two parents four kids four cats two dogs a rabbit and it still had space for everybody you know um and <laughs> i got to i got to that house and i called my mom and i said i think this is it i really like america like you know <laughs> yeah and my Mom had to sell her car to send me to high school in Connecticut, you know. Wow. And sell her car. Yeah. And I think at first there she was a little conflicted. Like, man, I sold my car. Now this my son is never coming back, you know? Yeah, right. right. But at the same time, you know, she she loved me and she wanted the best for me. And so I was just so thankful for that opportunity. So one year passed. I, you know, after that year was done, I was like, okay, I got one more year of high school in Brazil then I'm definitely coming back. But now I want to come back to Connecticut, not America. Yeah, I just Connecticut, want Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. came back to Brazil while I was finishing high school. I emailed every college in Connecticut. You know, <laughs> what I didn't understand was that high or college in Connecticut is tripled the amount of a regular college all over the United States, yeah. you know? So yeah. I was like, well, my parents can't afford, it. you know? And so that yeah. was, that was a heartbreak. That was truly heartbreaking. Cause I really yeah. thought that's where I was going to live, you know? Sure. Yeah. But then, you know, I started reaching out to all these coaches and I signed up with a recruiting agent who had contacts all over the United States. And so I talked to coaches in California, Texas, you know, Minnesota, Florida, 
Um, and I got a contact from a coach at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yep. And I didn't even know where Virginia was. I didn't even know <laughs> there could be a town called Lynchburg. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. And I got on the phone with him one time and, and he shared his vision for the program. And he had just been hired a year before. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. And at the time, I was the number one player in the country in Brazil, tennis player. Wow, in the country. No so kidding. I was getting interest. I was getting interest from these big name schools. Yeah. But they were offering me less scholarship or they were too expensive. Um, ended up that Liberty was the best ratio of tennis level to scholarship money that my parents yeah. could afford. And so I went and nice. I didn't know what Liberty was all about. I, you know, now it's the great, it's the largest Christian university on the planet. Yeah. yeah. With over a hundred thousand students online and 16,000 students on campus. It was not that when I got to Liberty. You know. <laughs> so it really grew as well. <laughs> yes. I yeah. got delivered in 2008. Amazing. The founder had just passed away the year before. So there's a little turmoil, yeah. a lot of debt at that moment at the university level. Uh-huh. And I got to campus to start practicing and there were no tennis courts. And really? I was like, okay, that's unbelievable. Like yeah. I just, I came, I'm a number one player in a country, you know, in yeah. like it's in Brazil. Brazil. I think a... it's like the fourth largest country in, in the I was going to say, not a know. small country either. <laughs> Correct. No, right. like this, you know, yeah. and now I'm at a college where there are no tennis courts. And so I, first thing I was like, coach, where are the tennis courts? She was like, well, we used to have tennis courts, but this summer they tore down a, the courts to build a parking lot. And I was like, that's phenomenal work. That's oh incredible. no. That's oh, great. Goodness. Yeah. That's so, great. Uh. So I had to swallow my pride and, you know, lower my ego there for a while. We would take a bus every day to a local high school to practice for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was very humbling experience is just, I thought I was a big shot. And now, <laughs> you know, uh, now I'm in a, in a, in a D1 program. Everyone was the best at something at their school, at their yeah. state or their, you know, country. And so just being able to, to find the humility and just showing up to work, you know, yeah, yeah. was when things did not look great. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then so halfway through my sophomore year, we started building tennis courts here at Liberty. Um, Liberty now figured out the online school. And so that was the cash cow Mm. behind all the progress. And now now we have 18 tennis courts in uh, an indoor facility. I have my own office. We have support (laughs) staff. And um, it's just been a great journey at that moment. You know, but in 2008, it looked really bleak. You know? Yeah, sure. Well, then you went from being not only a tennis player and, you know, yeah. obviously player at, at Liberty, but then you became the coach or a, 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 yeah. a coach at Liberty. So, yeah. to, you know, talk about that transition. Tell, you know, t- tell us a little bit about that, because I think that, you know, part of your story is, is as you were developing into being a coach, you know, you really honed your like coaching philosophy and, and, and really what I think, it, you know, translates into more of like a leadership philosophy as yeah. well. So talk Correct. a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So right in that transition period of graduating, um, I got married the summer after graduating. Um, and then I was placed to be a grad assistant with the women's tennis program here at Liberty. Okay. Um, that first year, that's what I they had just hired a new coach for the women's. And so he needed a help. So I got placed there. I didn't have any choice um, at that moment, but I think everyone coach or a business person 
you start as an individual contributor, right? So I was a player. Um, somebody could be just a salesperson, just calling people. Yeah. But then you get promoted to place of leadership where now you're not an individual contributor. Now you're actually in charge of humans. Yeah. You know, right, right, right. you're not just in charge of yourself. Yeah, and yeah. and that was a struggle. And I think it's a struggle for most most of us, right? Absolutely. Because I, and we yeah. get promoted because we were really good individual contributor. Yeah. You know, not because we are going to be good managers or bosses or coaches. It's, oh, you're a good tennis player. That means you're going to be a good coach. That right. has no, no correlation. That, is that's yeah. a completely different skill set. Completely yeah. different skill set, you know? Yeah, right. And, Absolutely. And I think of Bill Belichick, the Patriots coach, where he was a terrible football player. It's horrendous, <laughs> yeah. right, you right. know? And he's the greatest coach of all time. Brilliant coach though, right? Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. No um, yeah. Yeah. And so for the first few years there, first adapting to working with women, right? Being married and then working with women, that was a huge shift for me because at first I was just competing with men and just training with men and my coach was a man. And so now it's all women, you know, and, and there (laughs) was just a huge shift. Yeah, you're, you're figuring out how to be a husband and, and managing one, one woman, and one now, woman, now you, now and you then, got a whole team of them. And you correct. Out All at right. the same time, you know, and what so, a growth journey there, right? <laughs> incredible. Those first few years were just unbelievable. And, and I graduated and became a coach. So all these girls that I was coaching now were mm. actually my, my teammates. Like we were classmates yeah, the sure. year before. Okay. And now I have to earn their trust as someone over them where yeah. And that was right, right. a huge struggle. Those first well, few years were just struggle. Well, and, and, you know, I think what's cool about what you're sharing there, Gian, is that, you know, that's so common in a lot of businesses because there are people who become really, really good at, at, at what they're doing, whatever role that is. Maybe they're in sales and, and, and they're the top salesperson. And then somebody says, well, hey, you know, you're the top salesperson. You should be the sales manager. And leading people is a whole different skill set. And so I think that that's where that transition be, be, you know, between being that individual contributor and then being the leader, that's a big, that's a big jump. And so a lot yeah. of times the, those kinds of people don't have the support that they really need to make that transition. So I guess my curiosity then is like, how did you make that transition? How did you, like, what support did you have to, to really help you make that transition? First, my, my head coach at that time, that was my boss, he was very kind, very gracious in allowing me to make mistakes, right? And I think if you're already a leader, allowing the people that you just hire to make mistakes without punishing them, right? Um, all, you know, my mistakes were not illegal or immoral. Like it was just mistakes, just dumbheaded mistakes, you know? And he just, he understood that. And and he allowed me to make those mistakes on my own. Maybe sometimes he already knew I was going to make a mistake and still let me make that mistake. You know, he didn't stop me and just try to, you know, control me every step of the way. He actually gave me responsibilities right from the, from, from the beginning, you know? And and that helped, that helped the growth. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just winging it. I have <laughs> no system whatsoever. I just yeah. show up to work. We practice. I start recruiting the best tennis players I can ever recruit and just sign them. They come and, you know, and so mm-hmm. the first four years was a, a lot of lessons there, a lot. Yeah, and sure. I wasn't really thinking about these lessons. I was just going the next thing, the next thing. And what, what's next. But then 
after my fourth year, we lost a conference championship to a team that we were definitely better than. Our talent level was much higher than this, you know, this other team. And then I started asking questions. Why is that? Because mm. I thought talent should, uh, should be enough. You just hire the most talented people. There's no way you can lose. You know, like <laughs> LeBron James comes right. in with Wayne Wade and, and yeah. you know, the other tall guy. I forgot his name. You know? They're gonna win. <laughs> the other tall no, yeah, like I forgot his name. I forgot yeah, yeah, Chris yeah. Bosh. Chris Bosh. Yeah. Right? So he's going to win. That's simple, yeah. right? And that. that wasn't the case still with LeBron James that first year, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. And so it just hit me. Like, there has to be something that this other team with less players, lesser players, mm-hmm. is doing that I am not, right? Yeah. And mm. so at the same time, I got introduced um, to, a, to a coach, Celia Slater, and she's starting a business of helping assistant coaches. Oh, and really? so she had an assistant coaches immersion program Interesting. and, and for five days we went to Colorado and it was 20 coaches and we just shared stories she brought in speakers and one of the speakers talked about your coaching philosophy. And she had, um, her name was Holly Hesse. She was a softball coach and, and her coaching philosophy was called the diamond of success a softball player. So that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And she went through her whole coaching philosophy and how every area of the softball field was a part of her philosophy. And so like the first base was teamwork. Second base was something else. And Mm -hmm. they had all the outfield, the right field, the center field, the the pitcher, the, you know, and, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is it. None of this has to do with softball. Like there was one area that was practice where she talked about the drills that she was doing. Sure. The rest was all about how to manage a program and how to manage human beings and how yes. to make them play better. Right. And I was right. like, this is it. Like this, this is what mm-hmm. I need because I have right. talent mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. If I have, if I can bring in this culture where now talent is performing at its highest level, then yeah. yes. Right. Then now, mm-hmm. now I'm going to start winning matches. Right. And so that went a few years and I'm working with Celia, you know, constantly, and we're in Hawaii in March of 2020 and yeah. playing matches, living my best life. Yeah. And we're winning matches in Hawaii, which, you know, it's a big investment to sell it to the university. Like, hey, yeah. we would like to go to Hawaii, play tennis matches. You don't have to go to Hawaii to play tennis matches. You can go to Georgia and play tennis matches. <laughs> You're right. right. Um, <laughs> but we went to Hawaii and we won matches. And then right after our last match, the world shuts down. And we almost get stuck in Hawaii, which would not been a terrible thing to happen. I was going to say, there could be rougher yeah. places to be yes, in Hawaii. There, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and so I come home and our season is over. I can't coach. My kid's school is closed. Now I'm mad because I have no time for myself anymore and those yeah. things. Yeah. And I, was, and I didn't get laid off, you know, laid off from, from the university, which a lot of universities shut down programs and, you know, yeah, sure. fired coaches. And Liberty was very kind in not doing that. But I, I always felt guilty that they're still paying me and I still can't do my job. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to sit down and then at that moment, formulate my coaching philosophy. And I'm like, I'm yeah. going to show my boss, the university, that there's a system here to what we're doing. And so interesting. Yeah. I started writing this coaching philosophy and halfway through it, I was like, what if I turn this into a book? Yeah. I, yeah. I love books. I, I, I right. love reading books. I, I try to read about a book a week. Um, and I just loved it. Right. And so as part of my growth as a coach, just so many podcasts and books. And I was like, it'd be so cool if I had my own book and my kids can say, Hey, my daddy wrote this book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. 
So I wrote a book and had coaching philosophy. It's my coaching philosophy. And one of the side effects was that it helped in recruiting because no other tennis coach in America has their own book, you know? It was just as an exercise for me to start putting down on paper what I truly believe about my job, yeah. right? And my yeah. leadership skills and, and those things. Well, and that's, so, and that's, that, that's exactly what I was thinking too, is as, as you were talking about your coaching philosophy, I think that's so applicable to leaders that leaders need to come up with their own leadership philosophy and really like, what are the core principles that they lead by and, and how do they, you know, the, the, the fundamentals. I mean, I talk a lot about fundamentals in company culture and it's those behaviors that we live by and, and that we, we, um, we actually do in our business. So leading by those and having those articulated, I think is really important for, for every leader. So, I mean, talk a little bit about like your coaching philosophy and maybe even if you, if you can, like, how does that relate to, to leadership yeah. philosophy? Yeah. And that was also another surprising thing. Once I published the book, a lot of people, I sent it to my family members in Brazil and none of them play sports or coach sports. And they're all business people and uh, some some friends here in in the United States as well. Yeah. And they're like, wow, this book, I thought this book was going to be about tennis, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. And this book has nothing to do about tennis. You know, there's one chapter okay. about my practice philosophy, where sure. then we talk about tennis and drills that we do. The rest right. has nothing to do with tennis. And so well, when I say coaching philosophy, you can just think of leadership philosophy, right? Sure. Because okay. it's the same thing. It's just that I'm a coach. Therefore, it's a coaching philosophy. Right, right. Um, and, and so right. I go through the whole book and each chapter is an area of my philosophy. And the first one is recruiting, right? Where I spell out what do we look for in athletes when we're talking to them? Yeah. If you don't have that and you're a manager in charge of hiring, you should probably develop that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should have you should have three to five things that are non-negotiables. Right. Right. Yeah, and so exactly. for us here at Liberty, and I spelled out ACE, so A C E because it's tennis. But oh, we it. look yeah. at their academics. They have to be great academically. Liberty is a private school, so academic standards are very high. And yeah. if they are doing well in high school and playing tennis at the same time, that shows that they have a little bit of time management. They will transition well. Yes. If they can't handle high school and tennis, that means that college <laughs> is going to be a struggle. Really you know? struggle. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so that is the A. The C is the champion mindset where it's not so much their level, but it's the, the mindset of there's always something that I can get better at. Yeah. Right. And it's always something I can improve. The, that curiosity, right. That always that. seeking, seeking things. And I have one girl and she's one of our best players we've ever had. And every time we watch film together, she's always paying attention to these minute details of like, hey, do you think that my foot was in the right angle when I hit this exact forehand? Oh and I'm gosh. like, well, that's unbelievable. You shouldn't probably be thinking that much, but like that is unbelievable that you're paying attention to this, this kind of detail. Yeah. Um, and then amazing. the E was energy, right? And so yeah. because we're a team tennis Besides college tennis, tennis is just an individual sport. You just travel alone, you yeah. play alone, you you eat alone, and you know. Yeah. Um, but in college tennis, it's a team sport, and so yeah. bringing them on campus, right? And if you can bring them to your business and spend mm -hmm. time with their future fellow coworkers, yeah, right? sure. and spend quality right. time there, spend hours with them, 
Right. First, they will get a feel for what their future might look like. Yeah. And then the current team gets a feeling of, okay, maybe this person may not fit or this person. Yes, this is the one. Right. Yeah. Um, And one of the mistakes I made first was during those visits when I would bring in, you know, prospective athletes on campus, Mm -hmm. I would spend the most time with them because I need to know, like, is she a good fit? Is is she a good fit? Is she going to be a good tennis player? Yeah. But I forgot that most of the time they're not with me. They're with the other with members the other team of the members. team yeah, and they sure. get along. Right? Yeah, right. And so now most of our visits is I picked them up from the, the hotel and, you know, I'm around in practice. We go out to dinner once, but the other rest of the time, they're just with the girls on the team. Yeah, um, and then at the end of the trip, I asked the team, what do we think? And sometimes it's, she's my best friend already. You know, and then sometimes it's please no, she's a psycho. And 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 those are things that I haven't seen because if I brought them on a on a visit, that means I think they will be a good help, right? And I've seen them play tennis and Mm -hmm. but that energy between teammates and between them and me is so important, right? And I think that applies to business as well. No doubt about it, GM. You know, first of all, your acronym is amazing. I think it's really great. You know, being I love the champion mindset and really paying, paying attention to those details and, you know, really asking ourselves if the people that we're hiring, do they have that? Do they have that champion mindset? And then, you know, and secondly, then are they a good fit? And, and, you know, I think that a lot of business owners, they, they want to hire for their culture and yet they don't allow the team to really get to know this individual that might be part of the team. So I think that's a really, uh, that's really astute. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, that and the, the other side of the, that story is if you just got hired and you don't like the culture on your team, right. Then you probably should not let your new hire or future hire spend that much time with the team. Right. 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 Because then it's all about you selling that vision. Like, Hey, when you come to work with me, most of these people will not be here. Like yeah. I am bringing people and this is what I want from my future employees, right? right? The first few years we were here at Liberty, we didn't like the culture, right? We didn't, we could have fired everybody right up from the beginning, but sure. these are lives, most international lives where they trusted to be at a university. And we thought it was only correct that we let them go through the process sure. and, and graduate. So those first few years, that transition was hard because and in the book, I call them OKGs, our kind of girl, right? If they hit those three <laughs> things, great. they're yeah. an OKG, our kind yeah. of girl. I love and it. so I would bring an OKG to my team and then they would, they would automatically spend time with this culture that was not very good. And then they would get sucked into that, right? Right. right. It was only after year three where we graduated like four people and we brought in six new people mm-hmm. that then the six new people over through those four, oh, those three, four people that were left, you know, you know, and, and that's such a, an important lesson for, for leaders everywhere. If you're a leader of a company and you're listening to this, this is a really important um, lesson from a cultural perspective, because if your, if, if your culture is not a, a, where you want it, let's just say it's, it's not a culture that, that is um, attracting and, and keeping your people Number one, you need to take responsibility for that. But number two, you also have to hold people accountable for the, the culture that you want. 
And while you may not have people graduating, you can graduate people into some other other place. And and when you do that, then you hire and bring people in um, that that are going to fit for your culture and, and actually do the things that will be fundamental to your success. And I think that's so key is that culture has an enormous impact on how we do what we do and, and what, you know, it, it just really has an enormous impact. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. And so now we, we are in a positive, vicious cycle, I call yeah, it, I where it. now everyone that comes in just gets sucked into that good culture, right? And then they don't want to leave. And because it's a good culture, I don't feel any burnout and I don't want to leave my own job, which right. that happens all the time, right? Sure, yeah. And and so now it's a vicious cycle that it can be sustained now for years to come, right? I've been at the same job for 10 years. In college coaching, that's almost unheard of, right? College coaching, you're just leaving. What's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? If you can provide for your family, that's all that, you know, you you just build the next best thing where you are. Um, And that's what we've done. That's what we've done. And now we're at a level now where we play a very high level of tennis, Yeah. right? But this season, for example, our top three players, three of our top four players are out with injuries oh, wow. and, and other things. Right. Yeah. And we're still winning tennis matches. Right. Um, so now the culture and we keep reemphasizing to the girls, these are culture wins. These are not talent wins because <laughs> we, you know, our talent level has diminished. We just lost three big time girls yeah. on our team and we're still winning. Yeah. So that means that, first of all, you guys are good. Even yeah. the ones who thought they wouldn't be playing, now they have to step in into a role that they weren't first. Right. And now they're executing as well, right? Yeah. But now these are culture wins. Now I am the other team that has less talent, but still winning, you know, yeah. and that feels great. And I was just thinking great. the exact same thing that, look, you you learned a lesson and then you implemented it and you recognize that while you may not necessarily have like the best talent right now because of those injuries, yeah. Yeah. because of your culture, because of the systems that you put in place, they're rising to the the occasion and, and, and winning. And, and I think that that is such a, an important point for all leaders to recognize is that look, culture is a multiplier of, of talent and it's a multiplier of, of your people. And so when, when you have good people, your culture can actually make great people. And that's so important. I'm just, I'm loving this conversation because I'm seeing the parallels, even though you're talking tennis, I mean, it really is the principles are applicable to, to the business world as well. So I'm, yeah. And, and again, it's almost like when that happens and the, you know, the, the, the top players are gone, we're having to hire from within to fill those gaps. Right. Exactly. And when the culture, when they know what's expected of them, when, when they know the mission behind the work, it's so much easier for them to, sh- to come in and fill that role, right? And I think sometimes we look at a player or an employee who might not be seeing much you know, action time in their job, mm-hmm. and then something happens, and then maybe we try to hire from outside and to fill that gap, and that person is not a, you know, it's an immediate hire. We didn't think too much. We didn't, you know, didn't vet them, mm-hmm. and they come in and they destroy that culture. Right. Right. When you could bring someone from within, you know, from inside who's been there, has been fostering that 
mentality and, and, and hard work and whatever those, the, the core values of the company or team is, yep. they come in, they know what's expected of them. They have clarity and they can just go out and just do the job, you know? And I think that's, that's so important. Um, yeah. So I don't know if we finished, you know, kind of your coaching philosophy or not, but I, I love, I, I want to hear maybe a little bit more about that because I think that, man, that's so good. And, and I think there's a lot of leaders that haven't created their own philosophy around their leadership and their own performance and, and, and really creating their own championship mindset that I think it's really something that we all need to be thinking about. And I'm just wondering if there's anything else that maybe you could share with the audience just yeah. uh, you know, about your philosophy. One of the biggest changes we've made in the last few years was feedback. And that's one of the parts in my book I talk about how to give feedback as well as receive feedback from your employees or players. We send a monthly survey to them. It takes them maybe five minutes to, to answer. They put their name on it, but then we ask them to rate our practices. We ask them to rate the camaraderie within the team. We ask them to rate their you know, success in the classroom. And then we ask them to rate every single staff member, right? So from the trainer to the me, to the other coaches, to the academic coordinator. And then after each answer, after they rate from zero to four, that's what we do. Then they have to explain why. So okay. they're not just clicking like those surveys that we always fill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely agree, extremely agree, extremely agree, extremely agree. Right. You know. right. Like why? You know, that you won't be able to submit the, 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 the survey unless you write something. And that does two folds. First, it allows us to see what they're thinking, right? Mm -hmm. On a regular basis. If something negative shows up in one of the surveys, we can readily address it. And if it's something great, that's great. You feel good about the, job, the good job you're doing. Mm -hmm. Second, if they say everything is great, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the year, they come back and they want to transfer or they go to the athletic director or your boss and yeah. say, coach so-and-so or this manager so-and-so is doing this, 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 and this. Then I have a record of 10 straight surveys where this person said it was all great. All good, yeah, sure. Maybe she didn't want to tell me that it was bad and she wrote it, but I gave her the opportunity to tell me and she right. didn't. So yeah. then that's on her, mm -hmm. right? Yes, right. Um, and so I have an example of a girl I am Brazilian with Italian blood, right? Okay. Giancarlo Lemmy, that's just yeah. Italian as it gets. Right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so <laughs> I speak with my face and my hands and right. <laughs> my body language is always, it can tell exactly how I'm feeling, you know, by just looking at me. Right. <laughs> and there's one girl, particular girl on the team that when I'm watching her play and she makes a mistake, I do make a face, which I've definitely worked on. Okay. Um, yeah. Or I just move or some way. Uh -huh. Or when she asks a question that I might think that maybe that question is not so smart, I make a, just a reaction. Yeah. You know, she wrote on one of the surveys that I make her feel stupid oh, when I, I do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. While other girls don't even care. Like other girls sure. have no idea or right. they just don't mind. And I was like, okay, like I need to be better for her at this moment. Right. 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 And so I went to her and I said, I, I thank you for being honest. I acknowledge mm -hmm. that how that can be hurtful and I will work on it. Right. That's awesome. And yeah. I told her my goal is for the next survey for you to rate me better than you did this past month. Yeah. So I made a I made a point to just go. And every time she asked me a question, even though I thought it might have been not as smart as I, you know, as expect, yeah. 
I would just stay, you know, poker faced and just answer that question. Right. 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 Or when she made a mistake in a match, I wouldn't throw my hands up in the air or whatever. And, and so after that month, I got the new survey and, and she wrote coach Lemmy has done much better at this. Right. Mm, Yeah. That's it. Boom. Problem solved. Imagine if she does, if I don't give her that opportunity, she's never going to bring that up. First of all, right. Right. Second, because I pay her bills. Right. And so she's not going to complain. And so if I let that stew over and snowball by the end of the year, she's telling my athletic director, like he's mean and he's a jerk and he doesn't care about us and he makes me feel stupid and I don't have a job anymore. Right, right. Well, and and not only that, but I mean, by by virtue of you letting her know that you're going to work on that and and really reinforcing that you're going to help her to play better. You know, she's going to, she's, she's going to be a better, she's going to be a better player. She's going to improve. And she's going to want to improve because she sees that in you. And I Correct. think that's true with, with leaders as well. Look, if, if we don't get feedback from the people that we're leading and we're doing something that really annoys them or, or doesn't allow yeah. them to perform at their highest level, then we need to know about that. And, and yeah. if we don't know about that, then our team isn't operating at its, at its highest level. Yeah. And, and then the other side of the, the, the feedback is now we need to be able to give them feedback, right? So right, right. during practice, we're giving them like, hey, move your feet, strike the ball over here, do all those things. That's, that's good feedback. Sure. But this is a team sport. And so there's always the need to tell them where do they stand within the team? What, what do we see their role being? Are they going to be a starter? Are they going to be yeah. a bench player? Are they just going to play doubles? Or are they going to play just singles or singles and doubles? And so... I think sometimes, and I see that a lot in businesses where they only do a one year end of year job or performance evaluation, right? right. Where it's yeah. all in December or June or whenever your fiscal yeah. year is. Right. And, and then you just throw all this feedback, you know, an hour and a half of just mostly negative feedback where you need to work on this. You need to work on this. You need to work on that. You know, back in May, you did this back in October, you did this. And, and the employee has no idea what, what that was coming. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah. and at that moment, sometimes they just get fired, yeah. but the coach, the, the coach or the boss never gave them an opportunity to improve in those areas. Exactly. And that's not fair to them. I mean, it really no, isn't. No, yeah. it's yeah. not. And yeah. so what we've done now, we've had a lot more informal feedback and I call it beyond the baseline. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. past. And so sometimes yeah. I would just walk them to class or I just yeah. at, during the dinner table, I just sit there with one girl and talk to them. And but then I'm very intentional in at the end of that conversation, she knows where she stands. Yeah. Right? I'm not just gonna pet her in the back and tell everything is okay. Right. Or, you know, and and so that creates again, it gives her clarity. She yeah. knows where she stands. She's never yeah. guessing. Yes, you know? exactly. And and that gives her the courage to then go out and do the best that she can do, uh-huh. which then it translates to confidence. Then she feels confident, right? And so, so yeah. I, I love that so much because the same thing, everything you're saying, I'm 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 yeah. translating into my emerging leaders because I work with a lot of emerging leaders. And so, you know, when you when you help someone to um, communicate better, then that translates into a better confidence. And so they have a higher confidence level. So, you know, there, there really is a parallel here. And, and I think that it's, it's, it's so good. I, I, I love this. Yeah. yeah. I try to take every excuse away for my players to not perform at an optimal level. 
right? Yeah. And, and I understand here at Liberty, I do have the means to do so, right? Sure. I can provide them with everything that they need. And I understand that at a different business or a different school, they don't have that. But you got to do the best that you can in order to give that clarity to everyone that you manage. Because right. you can even have your own clarity. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Right. But if the people, and if you're a salesperson, I need to make a hundred phone calls today. Perfect. Right. You know, you have clarity. You right. can go home after the hundred calls and be like, I did my job. Yeah. Now, if you don't know, you have to make a hundred calls. And after call 15, you're like, I feel like I did a pretty good job and go home. And then the next day you're fired. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> you're on call 250 and yeah. everyone's already left. And you're right. like, I've gone home after call a hundred. Yeah. Like that just makes you just mad. Right. Yeah. And so, right. Right. The leader, the manager of people needs to be as clear as possible about yeah. what are the prerequisites for this, yeah, right? Exactly. Every day, what do we expect today? Yeah. All right. So my girls, I tell them today, I want you to show up and compete, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of bland, but it gives them like, you go to the drill, you run like crazy. You're yeah. not going to walk. Right. right. You give it all you got. And we pick, yes, you give it all you got. And I can tell you, and you can probably tell yourself if you're not giving a hundred percent. Right. Right. And and tennis is is different because you are indeed competing against somebody else. So you <laughs> technically have no control over the outcome. Right. Right. But if I ask you to serve a hundred times, just serve a hundred times. Right. 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 If I make it a make a hundred phone calls, just make a hundred phone calls. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Oh my if gosh. you get mad. And me, after I made 100 phone calls, said, no, you should have made 150. Well, before the beginning of the day, you told me I had to make 100 phone calls. So now you're mad. Tomorrow, do you want me to make 150? Sure, I'll make 150. Right. right? Yeah. Getting clear um, on those expectations is so, so important. Yeah, so but it first clear. starts with getting clear about yourself, right? And what yes. are your core values? And what are right. your, um, what, are, what do you stand for? And yeah. so that's, that's, good, good. that's the key. Right. Yeah. So good, Jan. So as we, uh, you know, start to wrap up here just a little bit, what, well, first of all, your book is the court of excellence. I want to ask you like, how do, yeah. how do people get a hold of that? How do yeah. they, um, you know, get, get, get that's, you that's on Amazon. Um, okay. it does have a tennis court on, uh, in the front, okay. but that's just because it's a, it, you know, it, I, I coach tennis, right, right. um, okay. but and each chapter, it talks a little bit about my coaching philosophy and a life story that backs up that philosophy, Very which is nice. so important for you to use your life story to start writing down what you believe in, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the end of each chapter, there are you know action steps where I just ask you questions, and if you if you want to go the you know the longer route and the hard, you know and and you answer those questions that should help yeah. you start developing your leadership philosophy or or yeah. coaching philosophy and and so but that's on amazon that's on cool. amazon and Excellent. anybody can purchase that um, well and i know that you've I got a, have a podcast you've got a podcast i have, I have exactly. a podcast yeah. and that was another transition where yeah. i wrote a book a former teammate of mine wrote his book yep. about something completely different we're just talking and we published the book and we're like wow what's next right that's yeah. always the question what's next what's next yeah and and i said man i i really love to have a podcast yes. because i listen to so many podcasts that it'll be right. great to have my own podcast yeah. and he was like i was thinking the same thing <laughs> and so we did some research and found there's not many podcasts interviewing christian sports coaches yep and so we started the christian coach podcast it, re- it releases every tuesday we've released over 74 75 episodes now Excellent. it's been a blast it's a it's a great free way to get mentoring 
right? Yeah. It's just so good. It's an excuse that. to go ask a coach that I admire, hey, would you like to be on my podcast when I right. wouldn't have the guts to just say, hey, can you talk for an hour with me? And, <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? Yeah, um, that's a great excuse. I love <laughs> it is. Um, and that's been great. Um, yeah. And then after that, people, after the book came out, people are like, oh, it's great that you have a book and that you have your own philosophy. How can you help me with my philosophy? And I was like, yeah. I thought that's why I wrote the book so that you wouldn't have to ask me that question. <laughs> right, right. But, but it's, I've been working one-on-one now with several coaches on a regular basis. And so I take them through a 10-week process where I'll make them a little bit more productive. We'll talk a little bit of productivity as well. Yeah. Because if you can get your work done in 35 hours instead of 40 hours, Right. Like imagine what you can do with five hours every week, you know? Absolutely. And I don't get so, in touch with you then with, for, for that. If, if yeah, so to, yeah. you can, you can just email me at gian at coachlemy.com. You can also just go to coachlemy.com and you have every tab of my book, my podcast, the coaching. I have a newsletter releases every Wednesday at seven 30 in the morning. And it's called the what, what Wednesday newsletter where I share about five or six Watts that I've, come across that previous week. So a book, what book have I read? What podcast did I listen to? What article, what quote? And that is not for just coaches. That's just for any leader of anything. Um, my one-on-one coaching, I'm mostly working with coaches, but as we can see, you know, this conversation with us, it translates to the business world as well. So if they're, Absolutely. you know, if they're, if they want, and if they love sports and, you know, and they want to do that as well, you know, I'm, I'm open to, to working with them, but okay. it's just been a great journey of being faithful and just delivering good product. Right. And yeah. I think if we focus on that, regardless if it's on the tennis court or in the business world, if you just deliver what you're expected, and sometimes if you can exceed it just a little bit, you'll set yourself apart because there are so yeah. many people who are just barely scraping by. Right. And, right and then on. doors will open. And as long as you're you are open to going through those open doors, then everything works out. Uh, yeah, so agree. So agree. Gian, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for the gift of your time and just really sharing a little bit about your your coaching philosophy and and really, you, you know, your wisdom. I, I really am. Uh, I, I've learned a lot here today. I, I was actually, I don't know if you saw me, but I was taking notes. I mean, really, <laughs> there's so much good stuff here and I'm really excited to, uh, you know, go get, go get your book and um, get on your um uh, your newsletter list as well. And I'm pretty sure I know the, your, your former teammate, because uh, I think he was on the podcast as well. That's right. And That's I, right. I know I read yeah. his book. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It. So yeah. to sign up for the newsletter, it's also on the website. It's coachlemmy.com slash newsletter. And, you can and we will make sure that all of those things go in the show notes. So if you're driving or working out right now, just check out the show notes and you'll have links to, to all of those as well. Uh, Gian, thank you so much for being here. I uh, really appreciate you sharing with us. David, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. That was an amazing episode. I, I got so much from that. I, I really just loved listening to Gian and um, just recognizing that he was the number one tennis player in Brazil and, and he came over to uh, to play in the U.S. And, and now he's the associate women's uh, tennis coach at, at Liberty University, a, a division one program, a, a top program in the country. Uh, there, there were just so many lessons that he shared in this. Uh, here's just a couple from, from me that, that rose to the top. And, and these were just as I was listening to him, I was writing notes because um, it, it was just so good. Here's the first thing that I thought was was really interesting and and it translates over to the business world so uh so easily but his his coach 
allowed him to make mistakes. I think it's so easy when we put someone into a leader position to just to, to think that they're going to, you know, translate and, and do things well in a leadership position when in fact they may not have the leadership skills yet to, to lead people. And, and so by virtue of allowing them to make mistakes and learn from them, that gives you an opportunity to coach and to mentor and to allow them to learn. But also it, it also brings up a, a, a topic that I often talk about in our, our inner circle meetings. And that is we need to have a philosophy of, of leadership. We need to create our system of leadership and create some of the things that we believe in leadership. What are the lessons that we've learned? What are the, the, the fundamentals? What are the behaviors that we aspire to and that we want to use as a leader? And I love that he created an acronym for his, his philosophy and, and their, their coaching uh, recruiting philosophy. You know, the A stood for academics, C was the champion mindset, and E was energy. And, and, and I think that there were two things, first of all, that I really um, tuned into. The, the champions, champion mindset, paying attention to the details. I mean, I, I have, after we stopped recording, I told him about the sign that I have hanging here to my left uh, that says, play like a champion today. And it, it's, it's just a reminder to, to watch those details, look for those details and be thinking, how can I continually get better? How can I continue to be a better leader? How can I continue to be uh, you know, a better teammate? Um, but that champion mindset is is really key to all of us, to 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 all of us as leaders. And and the the E part of his acronym energy, I, I thought that was a really um, insightful uh, piece of his philosophy to to allow a potential recruit to spend time with the team so that they can see how this person will will fit in. I think that's really key to our our business world as well. And if we really truly want to protect our culture, if we truly want to make sure that someone is a good cultural fit, we need to allow them time with the team. We need to be able to have them spend time with the team and and really get have the team judge their energy, um, be able to to judge whether or not they will be a fit based on the culture that we've articulated, the fundamentals, the behaviors that we've articulated and said that we'll, these are the things that will will lead to our success. So I think that that's really of our key learning. The other thing that I really liked about his philosophy too is just regular feedback. I think he brought up a really good point. And I know that there are some companies that are doing a better job of this, but but an annual review is just not enough. And it's you, you can't just download everything from a year into an annual review. We have to have constant feedback. We have to be able to give constant feedback. And I think that so often I run into people who don't want to give feedback because they feel like it's you know, it's giving negative feedback or it's giving constructive feedback and they're afraid of how somebody's going to take it. And the one thing that I've learned over the past maybe year is that when you look at and when you reframe feedback as being either developmental or motivational, you can you can really see that feedback is just a gift. Feedback is all positive. It's all helpful. And so when we view feedback as either developmental meaning you've got some work to do, 
or motivational, hey, these are some things that you're doing really well. We can actually make sure that we're helping someone with our feedback and also receiving good feedback. When we receive feedback in a way that, that when we get developmental feedback and we do something about it, like Gian was talking about, hey, he's going to do better. He's going to really make sure that the next time you fill out that survey, you know, you're going to, I want you to be able to rate me better. I think that is such a, a great takeaway, just a great takeaway, such a great conversation. And, and, and I love Gian's uh, approach to, to, to leadership, um, to coaching. And I really hope that you'll go out and, and get his book. I'm, I'm going out to, to, to Amazon right now and, and catching his book. Um, I'm signing up for his his uh, weekly newsletter. We even talked uh, off air about having him come in and, and talk to uh, our inner circle groups. And so and, and by the way, if you're interested in uh, an inner circle group and and being a part of a very supportive environment where you can uh, get that feedback, you can uh, have that coaching. Um, just email uh, david at davidmcglennon.com and, and we'll uh, send you a link so that you can uh, fill out an application and we'll set up a, a discovery call together. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to In the Growth Space. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you sharing the, the, the podcast. Please, I say it every time, uh, but but take a moment, go out and, and, and give us a rating give us a review. I really would appreciate it. That way we can reach more leaders, more people like you who really enjoy hearing real life growth stories, growth stories around personal growth, personal challenges, as well as, as team growth and of course, business growth. So until next time, stay in that growth space, my friend, stay uncomfortable, stay in that growth space and be well. Mm-hmm.